0: listening to jay scott the hook rocks i'm mikey v from chains over razors and get your metal on
1: Skills go medicate yourself until you
2: realize there's nothing left. You throw it all away. I just I don't know what, why I see my reflection, but I'm not that guy. Each time that I slip, I just tear it up. I throw up and I trip. fuck I've had enough. I can take real no more, so I drown the pain. Fucking pills with my nipples and chewing up a vein. It's like a whole so deep, sucking so locked in grave. My just get the best of me, I'm afraid. <laughs> i no the
0: it the you It holes through my skin, it eats away at my soul. Got nothing left to give, my access me at With my agony, I can't another second. This not who I'm supposed to be.
3: Hey, what's happening everyone welcome back to the hook rocks i'm your host jay scott thanks for coming back and listening got another great episode lined up for you today and uh hope you will enjoy another new music spotlight we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts i always mention at the beginning of every episode some of my friends who are on the network martin Popoff, the rock historian We've got Ron Anesti and local Chicago promoter here, Vinnie Apice and Carmen Peace on the Hanging and Banging podcast, as well as Tom and Zeus, the number one KISS rated podcast in the world. Well, at least in the United States. I don't know about the world, but is, <laughs> is there, are podcasts popular outside the United States? I don't know that. I think some areas. Yeah, but I think uh, the U.S. has kind of corner the market on podcast but mistress carrie is also out in boston she's part of that group as well decibel geek I uh, always like to mention some of my other friends outside of pantheon the itch rock and radio show chicks who love music bend and scoop and the pot of thunder kiss podcast who does a little thing a lot of things too about like other songs and detailing songs so check out all my friends check out all those podcasts um Again, thank you for listening. We've had some great podcasts over the last month. We've done some new music spotlights with Chains Over Razors. We've, uh, we've done Georgia Thunderbolts. We had Fortune Child, Naked Gypsy Queens. We always like being the place for new rock. There's a great emerging rock and metal scene that's out there. We love to support it. Uh, We've done, gosh, probably over 125 new music spotlights in the two years that we've done this. So there's something for everyone. Another Chicago band that I'm hoping to hear some new music uh, from. Hopefully soon is a band called Erico. that They were one of our first guests way back then. So I don't know what they're up to, but hopefully we'll check in soon with them. We've had Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. We had Ty Tabber from King's X. We always like to talk about different things, too, as well. We have our resident audio expert. You can follow him on Twitter at Skylab Tapes. We talked about vinyl, cassette, and CD plus streaming, where the market's going. Will streaming grab any more of the market share that they currently have? We also talk about NFTs and blockchain and what that means to new bands out there, too. So there's something for everyone, commentary, legacy artists, and, of course, new music spotlights. So please check out. All of our episodes, you can download the, whatever podcast app you have, whether it's Spotify, Apple. You get the latest and greatest episode right to your phone. And uh, we're approaching 400 episodes, so be on the lookout for that, too, as well in the next couple of months. The next guest we have, the next new music spotlight, is a Chicago-area metal band, which I'm really excited to have on. I always like to support local acts, too, as well. And uh, we just had Chains Over Razors. They're another Chicago band too. That was a lot of fun. We were talking about a lot of things in the old neighborhood. I got a kick out of it. Not not a lot of times in this podcast do I get to talk about things local to Chicago, and uh, I always enjoy doing that. The band we have today is Six Cents, and we have a a couple, a married couple, who fronts the band, and. That is Robbie and Vicky. What's going on? Thanks for having us, Jay. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. So this is kind of a, a unique setup. I've never, I've seen a band, Ida May, that was husband and wife, but I've never actually interviewed uh, a husband and wife tandem. And what's really cool about the band is that you guys kind of give a perspective of both the male and female. Point of view whenever you're touching on a subject in a song and we're going to get into that but that's a very unique kind of concept and very unique kind of feel for a band too as well because not a lot of bands if any do that so uh we will definitely get into that but we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the podcast and that is really what we're all about just like every great rock song pulls you in with a hook um every rock fan has a moment whether it's a song, an album, a band, a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you guys?
1: Ooh, that's mm-hmm. a tough one. It's coming in hot there.
2: <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I could answer that quickly. Uh, uh-huh. Well, like my my dad was really big into a uh, classic rock band. So as a kid, I was always hooked into Queen, just listening to like, we will rock you. That that got me going early on. Um, but then when I became a teenager, uh for metal, what hooked me in was listening to Slipknots Before I Forget. That hook got me sucked into metal and I was all about it ever since. Vicky? <laughs> and you?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I I honestly hate these kinds of questions because like I I can tell you a bunch of things that I heard when I was younger that, you know, I kinda loved, but I can't remember it being, you know, one song, one band it's really cuz cuz back in the 90s radio was the thing right and that's where we heard everything or MTV so i just remember being surrounded by music um i can tell you for heavier music a lot of like gateway stuff that was on the radio at the time was like uh linkin park limp bizkit evanescence um Muse, even like the first album from Muse, a lot of that like in between where I'm like, oh, this is quite different from the normal pop stuff that we hear. And I was intrigued. Um, so Um I guess that sort of answers it.
3: <laughs> there used to be a radio station in Chicago called WVVX 103.1. It was r- yeah. RPM, real precious metal. And it would come on at seven o'clock at night during the day. It was a Spanish speaking station and they were, I think the radio station was in Highland park and at seven o'clock they would come on and they would go till midnight. And then there would be another show from midnight to like four in the morning. And I, I wasn't, I went to Catholic grade school. So I remember putting my radio, my, my boom box on the other side of the bed. So it was against the wall next to the plug. And my mom would come in, tuck me in. And I was like eight or nine, 10 years old. Um, and it lasted for several years, the radio station, but I put my headphones on and listened to the rock and metal station. And I would fall asleep like two o'clock in the morning and get up and go to the, you know, go to grade school. And, you know, everybody would be, you know, chipper and, and, and whatever. And I'd be sitting there like half asleep because I'd be listening to rock and metal all night. Um, But, you know, once it gets a hold of you, it it really I mean, you become I've never met a metal fan that wasn't passionate about metal or a rock fan that wasn't passionate about rock. I mean, once it gets in your blood, it becomes part of your soul.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because it's not it's not a genre of music that you just, you know, stumble upon. Right. It's not something that you listen to in passing. It's something that you might accidentally hear it somewhere. But it has to you have to actually really love it to take the time and the investment to find more bands and listen to more it's not It's not mainstream, maybe it was you know back in the eighties and the seventies that was like the popular style of music, but right now it's such a niche genre mm-hmm. that once you discover it you you have to be passionate about it to keep listening
2: yeah, it pulls you in and it's like very relatable music so.
3: rock fans always want to share rock and metal fans always want to share music they always want to tell people about a band a song this
2: band right
3: you never hear a pop music fan like bother you about a great pop song right like they don't come like if you're at work or whatever they don't come stand up you gotta hear this pop song that i heard on the radio i've heard it too
1: (laughs) everyone's already heard it
3: yeah but but like no one is like that it's all yeah you know it's it's more or less kind of like popular music that's why i call it pop music but yeah it's kind of like music for like the casual music fans when you talk yeah. to a rock and metal fan i mean like you know you got the rock t-shirts you know you've been to the concerts you've been to the shows you're you know, every time one of your friends gets in the car you're playing something that you know they've never heard before and you're waiting for a reaction that's what the rock community really is. that's what yeah. the metal community yes. is absolutely where did it go from there from you guys? You mentioned, you know, some of the, the bands that kind of pulled you in, but when did it become something that you wanted to do be on stage and be in a band?
1: Hmm. You want to go first? Um, yeah, uh-huh.
2: I can go first. Yeah. So for me, it was, um, it's funny. I actually got into heavy metal music um, from all the video game playing I would do uh, back when I was a kid, there was like Tony Hawk's underground uh, two and guitar hero and rock band at the time came out when I was like, uh, 12, 13, that's when I got into it. And I started hearing these heavier bands through that. And once it pulled me in, like like I mentioned earlier, once I heard Slipknot, that's what drew me in. And I was like, oh, I, I got to be a metal musician at, at some capacity. I got to start playing some kind of instrument. And then for whatever reason, um, the vocals really drew me in. And it seemed like the cheapest option at the time. I couldn't afford anything pricier expensive. So I was like, well, I I could practice vocals. So it was just something I gravitated towards. And ever since I was 13 years old, I was like, after school, just coming home and just practicing for hours, just bothering the hell out of my mom and like our neighbors and everything, just screaming my lungs out, trying to figure out how to do it. And um, I've been doing it ever since.
1: Yeah. For me, it wasn't quite exactly the same. Um, I've been singing all my life. I was One of those kids in school where I could just sing on pitch. So, you know, you're like five or six and the teachers are looking for kids to be in the choir. And it's like, oh, you, you can sing. You join the choir. They don't really ask you. They just tell you and you do it. And I was a very shy kid. And I would do everything that my teachers told me, you know, even if I didn't want to. Um, So, like, I have just I was kind of singing my entire life. And I think it, it just was around middle school slash high school when I discovered heavier music, specifically like more old school bands like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or even like the, the Swedish death metal scene, like, you know, in flames, dark tranquility that I actually found myself wanting to listen to music. So I was just listening to music all, all the time and then similarly to Rob, I I didn't have a guitar. I didn't know how to play guitar. I had a, a keyboard, but you're not really going to k- play keyboards in like a heavy band. Like it's done, but it's very, like, it's very, very, very niche. So I just told myself like, hey, you can kind of sing on keys. So just, I just started singing, but it wasn't like singing was never my passion. Like for me, it was... It was about the writing, so I just wanted to write music, and then I figured, okay, I can sing, so maybe let me pull my focus towards that instead and use that as my instrument.
3: Imagine, you know, hearing Rob Halford or Bruce Dickinson as, you know, someone who's, you know, singing, you know, hearing those voices, they're so recognizable, and they have such range with their Mm -hmm. voice, too, as well. I had, I imagine that was an, an impression on you, too, as well with their style,
1: for sure, um, the thing is that a lot of the the singers that I listened to in the beginning, I didn't aspire to be like them, like they sounded so foreign to my ears and to what I could do because i I had and I still have like the the Disney Princess voice, you know, like the voice you hear in a musical um that was primarily the only thing I could do back then. Uh, I could sing along to like Evaevanesss and that sounded really good, but that was it. so when I was hearing the harsher vocal styles or the more heavy metal sort of style of singing, it felt really foreign to me. And in my head, it felt like I'm never going to be able to do this. So I didn't even consider it back then. It was only until maybe the age of 22 or 23 when I started sort of, I guess, um, poking at my vocals and being like, okay, what else can you do? Let's try some different stuff. And that's when I got... Really, really passionate about singers like Bruce Dickinson and Rob Helford, how they can sing with the rasp and so powerfully and in their mid-range specifically. Up until that point, I just sang the high notes, you know, so that was my first um, experience with like expanding my vocal range. And then around the age of 25 or so is when I got into like the harsher styles like growling and screams and stuff like that. So I got into this stuff pretty late. I wasn't like Rob, you know, screaming at 13 years old.
3: <laughs> Lyrically, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you guys are, are unique in that you share a perspective of both male and female point of views in songs and songs and the way the song is approached and the structure. Where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? Well, well let me back up just a little bit where did your lyrical influences come from? I mean, there's that point, you know, that you hear rock music or metal and that pulls you in. There's that point where you want to be on stage and and, and be in a band and play an instrument. And then there's that point where you want to be, where where the art kind of pulls all, you know, takes a hold of you and wants you to write music, wants you to write a song. What was influential to that? When did you guys reach that moment? Do
2: you want to talk about your lyrical journey first?
3: Uh,
1: well, that's
2: a two-parter question. It is. I have two answers. for. <laughs>
1: well, so Rob writes most of the lyrics in Sixth Sense, so go
2: for it. Okay. Uh, so for me, um, I started getting into uh, lyrics and paying attention to them. It was actually uh, listening to Green Day's album when Green Day came out uh, with American Idiot. That's what drew me in as a kid initially. And then I moved on to the heavier stuff. And then I found out about bands like Slipknot, uh, White Chapel, As I Lay Dying, uh, The Black Dahlia Murder. And I started paying attention to the different styles of, of lyric writing that these artists were doing. And I like—I always liked artists that told stories with whatever they were saying, even if it's something I don't personally believe in. I like the the use of words and the, the pictures they can paint using words, and then putting that out to the masses. Uh, through vocals and, and their music. Uh, so that's what inspired me uh, lyrically, as, as well as listening to the, the classic rock bands that my dad showed me, like he'd show me Rush or Pink Floyd, uh, that kind of style. And it was always the, the music that you can really see, like the imagery and the words like come to life by like just putting on headphones and listening to it. Uh, so that's my lyrical inspiration for how I write. And then in terms of Sixth Sense, how I write the lyrics for Sixth Sense, uh, keeping in mind that we are a married couple and we are uh, the vocalists, the the front people of the band uh, going into the lyric writing process. I wanted to uh, utilize that. And I would always uh, keep in mind what I believe Vicky would say to me. Like we have a very conversational tone in this band. Uh, so I do keep it in mind and try to feed off each other and our strengths and uh, know What's like in a song like Forgotten Days, I think that encapsulates everything we do uh, perfectly to a T. So that's where it all comes from.
3: When did that idea you talk about the band being very conversational, but mm-hmm. when did that idea for the approach of having that that point of view from two different sides
2: um, it it came a little – it didn't come initially because how yeah. we started the band was um, I actually auditioned for this other band called Keychain, which the members in Sixth Sense, Bran, the guitarist, and Cody, our drummer, were in this band Keychain, and they were looking for a new singer for their band. So when I joined them – Bran early on came up with the idea, hey, why don't we have a second vocalist in the band? So immediately, because I primarily scream and rap, I do not sing at all. I was like, okay, well, if we are going to get an exceptional singer in the band, I really want them to excel and do all the things that I can. And I'm, I'm married to Vicky. So <laughs> I was like, that was an easy choice for me. So uh, the first three songs, uh, well, the first two songs I wrote for um, Six Sense, they were actually more rap-heavy based. Um, Even the third one, which ended up being a Make Believe, uh, which was the first single we ever put out, that was the first song that we wrote where I was keeping Vicky in mind. Um, And that's where I guess the early stages of the conversational tone crept in, like the rapping segment during the bridge comes in where she's rapping her verse and it's the first time Vicky raps in any song she's ever done as well, which is cool. Uh, And then I come in with the rapping stuff too. But then later on, we were like experimenting and we thought, hey, you know what? Let's add more of this conversational tone in the song and feed off each other.
1: I don't think it was intentional though. I think it just kind of happened. Like Robbie goes into this like zone when he's writing lyrics. He'll just sit down with a song and listen to it over and over again. And, you know, 30 minutes later or however long, he'll come up to me and he'll be like, here's what I came up with. I don't think there's anything like predetermined before that. Um, So I think that that kind of happened organically. And I think it's probably also from, I guess, our need to not do what everyone else is doing. And very often when you see a band that has two vocalists, the split is always based on the vocal capabilities. Like you'll see a band, they have one guy that screams and they have one guy that sings.
2: Good cop, bad cop style.
1: Yeah. But the lyrics are never, had never really have anything to do with that. It's just like, Oh, this part calls for a screaming part. So you're going to take it. This part calls for some singing. So you're going to take it. You don't really see like somebody, a a band utilizing two people to create that conversation. And I think it's easier to create that conversation when it's two people that are a different gender as well. So it kind of happened organically, but then also I think we probably noticed it and said like, hey, this is something no one else is doing really, so let's do it more.
2: Yeah, and I I like to, in general, like everything count. I think everything matters uh, when you're writing music, every little subtle detail. So I really want to put an emphasis on that. It's like if I'm going to do something vocally or write a specific lyric, it's because it means something to me and it's setting up the tone and the story that I want to tell.
3: With those stories that you tell, you tackle a lot of social and issues in society. Where does that come from? Where does that, that need to tell those stories, to, to write those lyrics about things that you observe and things that you have, have, a, have a passion for?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from a, a personal level, like uh, the things that I've been through. Um, growing up, uh, becoming an adult, and just going through the motions of things and my experiences. So some of the songs in Sixth Sense, they're very personal to me, and they they mean what they mean to me. Uh, Like a song like Forgotten Days, that's a little darker. But then I will have songs that are possibly more relatable to people, and they might not agree with me, or they may disagree. Uh, But I'm just like talking about what I see is going on on my perspective on things. And I just try to Try to simplify it as much as possible. I know there are complex subjects and topics that I I try to incorporate into the music, but it's just my take on things. I come from a very um, libertarian background. That's what I would say I am, where I'm not picking any side. I just try to be in the middle and, like, let's find some common ground. Like, we may have differences, but...
1: Yeah. It's not really about being in the middle. Like I wouldn't say that like our lyrics are political in any way, but sometimes when you talk about societal subjects, they tend to be political because we've politicized everything in modern society. Um, and and I hear this very too often that it's like, you can't be in the middle. You have to choose the side, but it's like, I feel like my entire environment with the exception of a few people that are very strongly like political in their beliefs, everyone's kind of, you know, somewhere, somewhere, like not necessarily all the way on one side or the other side. And we're all kind of drifting somewhere in between. And we have a lot in common in our beliefs and we don't even realize it because we're being forced to, to be against each other. So I think that's something, at least for me, that is important to be said in lyrics because we should be emphasizing what we have in common. And when we do disagree on something, we should be able to have that conversation without saying like, hey, you know, delete block. You're not my friend anymore. Yeah. I think as long as you're not hurting someone physically or emotionally, and you're just, you know, this is my opinion, and this is how I choose to use to, to live my life, and not telling other people how to live their lives, I think that's... Probably the best way society could function, but um, I know this is maybe an idealistic way of thinking, but I think what matters to you is what you should be putting out into the world. So I think this is something that we both care about. So we're putting it in our music
2: yeah we we just want to live in a a world where we can talk about things freely and not hate each other for it. Let's just have discussions and we want to open that up again because I feel like a lot of bands today are afraid to or they don't want to or don't care
3: yeah and I also think too, when you look at you know especially over the last decade or so, you know there seems to be you know two polarizing extremes mm. on each side pulling people away and I think now people are starting to kind of get fed up with that and kind of return to the middle yeah. and you know return to that you know it doesn't have to be you know people don't have to believe how i believe although the people that do usually have the loudest voices you know they're the ones <laughs> that that scream the loudest and yeah. i always learned at an early age those who scream or you know those who scream the loudest know the least yeah. So, um, but I do think that there is something to that about being in the middle and people starting to, to be more inclined to, cause in the center, that's where progress is made because that's where, that's where, uh, compromise is happens is in the center. So hopefully we can, we can begin to move forward more people move forward to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, just to, to add to that, um, I feel like there's there's this cer- certain like these rules and these set of beliefs that come with political parties, where it's like if you are, let's say, a Democrat, then your belief system on every subject in mo- modern society has to align with these,
3: right, exactly. Sort
1: of beliefs, and mm-hmm. I think therein lies the problem because I'm sometimes I find myself, you know. Thinking in a more liberal way, and then with other things, I'm a little more conservative with how I live my life. And and I I truly question like why isn't it that I can't you know on each of all these different subjects agree with someone on this and agree with someone else on this. Yeah. And I think that is truly the problem, and what we need to to be talking about as humans because we're not we're not black or white, right? Everyone's different as people and as beliefs and opinions and all that. So when you're forcing us to be black or white, then I think you're, you're ruining individuality and uniqueness. And I don't want to live in a world where we're doing that, you know?
3: (laughs) Well, it also goes with the same, you know, with every situation, very few situations have one truth. There are multiple truths with every situation. And you can be right with all those multiple truths and you have that point of view, but also understand that that's not the only
2: truth for that circumstance. Absolutely. Um, We're all individuals and you got to take things on a case-by-case basis, as you said. Right, absolutely. Where are you guys from in Chicago?
1: So I'm I'm actually the only one that's from here, born and raised here. I did leave Mm -hmm. um, at the age of 10. I actually moved to Greece. Um, and then I came back. So I'm actually like a Greek American. Um, so I was born in the East side of Chicago. Uh, then we moved to, to Lansing when I was younger and, um, back on the East side. Now, Rob is actually from Montreal, Canada, and the rest of the band is from Canada as well. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Yeah. I, um, years ago, I used to work in a sales office in Harvey. Uh, at 171st in Halstead. And, uh, I used to, I worked there for a couple years. Uh, interesting location. Um, interesting spot. Uh, I remember when the when the clocks would change and you'd move the clocks back so it would get darker early. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have to leave the office by 3 because the neighborhood nope. wasn't the best, <laughs> you know, because you didn't want to be there at night. Yeah. Um, but I used to, yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, my sales territory was Indiana, all the way down to Indianapolis to then, you know, downstate into like Peoria and everything in Illinois. But uh, yeah, no, I've uh, Torrance, uh, Torrance Avenue, right? In yeah. Lansing. That's the last exit before you get to Indiana. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was at, uh, what was it? Halstead. That's where I would get off, yeah. which I think is right before uh, yeah. Torrance. So, and you got the Rock Query you know that uh, blows up a few times a week you know and uh, i remember the first time i was in the office the query blew that day and i didn't know and i thought we were having an earthquake i thought that major <laughs> fault line in the midwest had finally had finally given in. It. it was like it, we're all gonna die because it was supposed to be you know, this is a big one so um but no it, you know Growing up in Chicago or growing up outside of Chicago, you know, at, at a very young age, um, you know, were you ever, you, you know, what were some of the things in terms of music that you would, you know, gravitate towards? Or was it still infant at that time in terms of your understanding of the music or understanding what direction you wanted to go?
1: Yeah, I think that probably came later for me when I moved to Greece because um, I st- still was young. But I do remember, you know, some of my earlier years just turning on the TV or the radio and like what was on there. And, um, I think I'm a little fortunate, you know, I'm an 80s kid. So a lot of early 90s stuff was on, you know, like a lot of the the good pop, like Michael Jackson at the time, super popular on MTV, um, a lot of like, my mom listened to a lot of like 70s uh, sort of disco and funk albums. So like, while it wasn't like rock or metal, I feel like it was, it was still good quality music and it was enough to shape my ears in a good way um, versus, you know, what's on the radio now. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for, for kids right now listening to that. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of, like I said, earlier pop. Disco, uh, funk, that style of music.
3: And, you know, for, for, for you being in Montreal, in Canada, um, you know, what were some of the types of things that you experienced? I mean, you kind of touched on it at the beginning, too, as well. But what was kind of the scene as you were growing up, Robbie, on, on, on metal in Canada, in that
2: area? Oh, uh, we have a show... Uh, the radio station called Shome. And my dad would play that all the time. It was like a classic rock station. So I was always listening to ACDC, Aerosmith. Uh, My dad loved Elvis Presley, all that kind of stuff. Um, That's that's all I was listening to when I was younger, uh, Carlos Santana. Um, So that instilled this uh, love for rock and roll in me early on. Uh, But then, as I said, when I started playing video games and I started hearing heavier music like Lamb of God, that that sucked me into like my own thing. And I I felt like, oh, I can identify with like a music style that's for me. So I was listening to all like the metal albums that were coming out in the mid uh, to late 2000s. And that's the style of music that I gravitated towards. And they didn't play that on the radio (laughs) like Shome would continue to play like uh, the bands like Nickelback and the classic rock stuff like ACDC that that's what they're about. You know, there wasn't really a modern metal uh, radio station where I'm from.
3: The new album is out in a couple weeks, April 22nd. Uh, It's an EP entitled Kings today. What was the approach for this? What was the recording process like?
2: Hmm. Um, our guitarist, Bran, is the the primary songwriter in Sixth Sense, so he would come to us with uh, a bunch of instrumentals, uh, and then, as Vicky mentioned earlier, I I would take these instrumentals and I would really sit with them and formulate my lyrics. Like I'll just sit down and come up with a story that I want to get to, and either I'll come up with the chorus first, or sometimes I come up with the verses first, and then that uh, directs me uh, into where I want to go with the songs uh so i would do that so bren's a songwriter gives us all the instrumentals i take the lyrics and if i ever have a mental block with anything thankfully i have vicky here i would be like vicky i have no idea what to put here and then she'd work her magic and she'd come up with something and then at times you know uh, she would fit she knows me and my writing style so she would fit to what i wanted to say and take her own approach to it and the songs would become whole after that so that that was our songwriting process for this ep
3: Was there an approach or a theme that you wanted to present to your audience, present to your fans, present that you know in terms of music, or was it you know was it organic? Was it you know the the writing process and what you guys want to do to that? Just all kind of spawn off separately with with different songs that were that are on the EP. I
2: yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I think it was organic. Like maybe there was a little bit of thought but we didn't have like a, a battle plan, you know, going into no. it. It was, it was a lot of just like, be you, you know, write what you want to write, uh sing how you want to sing. We just kind of went with the flow and like what the, basically, what is the music telling us, you know, that's
2: right. Yeah. That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. I feel like with Sixth Sense, this is the, the first time where I'm completely honest with who I am as a person and I just put my heart into like all the songs that we write here. It's six Sense, I feel is truly me and who I am as an artist. So it, it was just going with the flow, very organic. We didn't have any idea in mind. It was just whatever I felt, whatever the music spoke to me, I gave back to it.
3: As far as, you know, writing music and, you know, the the, the tone of the music, how much does that tone affect the lyrics? Affect or Are the lyrics written before
2: in some cases, the music, or is the music always first? The, the music comes first in Sixth Sense. Yeah, Brand comes out with his ideas. So for whatever reason, why ever he wants to write the way he does, he, he writes that way. And um, I just feel it's this very dark and emotional tone to his writing style that allows us to have this sort of aggression and pent-up energy that we can put into the music as well. Um, And then Vicky comes in with her own approach. So it's very cool to have different styles come together. And it it seems seamless (laughs) when we do write together.
1: I think, yeah, like uh, I have sometimes in the past outside of Sixth Sense written lyrics first when I was younger. And then I tried to fit them in a track. And you can do it. I've done it many times. You know, you just have to make edits uh, to the words and the phrasing to make sure it flows well. Or in some cases, some people don't do those edits and then it just sounds a little too much. But I just found after a while of doing it that it wasn't as easy. I think it's a lot easier to listen to the song, the music, and get the emotion that the music is giving you and then come up with a story on the spot that shares that emotion. Um, I th- It's just a more natural, honest songwriting method, I find.
3: Robbie, you just mentioned too that this album was very honest in terms of who you are and, you know, the, the approach to the music and the lyrics. Uh, how was that experience for you? Sometimes getting in touch with something personal can be difficult. Uh, it can be hard to pull things out. How, how willing were you to do that? Or did that just come from what was happening in the world or what was happening with the music? How, how did all that start?
2: Um, it really started from me working previous projects. And I always felt in those other projects, um, there was a goal in mind, uh, in terms of the writing. So I felt like that put me in a box and it's fine. I can write to whatever you'd want me to write about. Um, but I feel like working with Brandon Sixth Sense, he was just like free reign, do what you want to do. So it was the first time where I ever collaborated with any other musician that gave me that opportunity to be like, just write how you want to write. And I was like, Okay. And like, I had no limits and uh, vocally we had no limits as well. I was like, this is the first time where I feel the sky is the limit where there's truly no limitations in Sixth sense for us. So that's, that's where that came from. It was just brand trusting me and my capabilities and being like, yeah, do what you want to do. And here we are.
3: There has to be an excitement when, the, when you feel that there also has to be worry that you have to deliver, you know, when someone gives you free reign, you know, they're giving you kind of the keys to the, to the, to the store, right? Like you're able to do what, what you want and, and fit the lyrics into the music, um, and, and be who you are. There has to be some, you know, obviously excitement as an artist, because you kind of have a blank canvas, but yeah. in, in some ways you have to, you know, you've, you've, you've got to put the proper paint on the the proper color scheme on the canvas. Right.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but, mm-hmm. For myself, I'd say maybe just for the few couple of songs in the beginning until you see that like ever like we wrote a few songs and then our bandmates were like, sounds awesome. This is great. You know, so once you see that there isn't any pushback, there isn't any like questioning of what you've done, then I think it's easier to just do it and not be afraid. Um, and I will say I've collaborated with a lot of musicians and they they do kind of fall into two categories. They are the, here's free reign, do whatever you want, and I'm going to love it. And then there's the other kind where it's like, here's free reign, but there are some strings attached. And then you send your, what you wanted to do. And they're like, okay, I like it, but can you change this, 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 and this? And that's hard to work with because then you're like, okay, did I really have free reign? You know? Um, but that's not the case in Sixth Sense. So I think maybe after writing a few songs, I think we were both just like, this is cool.
2: This this is who we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it came from a place of, um, uh, being confident and believing in myself. And this was an opportunity for me working with Sixth Sense to just showcase that, Hey, I deserve to be here. I can do this. Um, and I'm happy I was able to have that chance because I think people are finally able to hear it. and. I think I'm proving like a lot of doubts that I had in myself wrong. So I think as an artist, your biggest critic is always going to be yourself. And it's it's very fulfilling to just write the music you actually want to write. And it's awesome to see that other people can relate and they enjoy what you do. How do you navigate through that vulnerability of
3: being open
2: and being who you are and
3: writing all that stuff? I mean, that has to be cathartic. You know, it has to be, you know, therapeutic. But there's also like I'm kind of. Showing myself to people,
2: is there? A, is there? A, how do you navigate through that? It's you just got to jump. It's like just jumping off the cliff, <laughs> kind <laughs> of, so to speak, with mm-hmm. bungee jumping, <laughs> hopefully, and you know, just putting yourself out there. Uh, it's it's just a matter of doing it. I think a lot of doubts that anybody has has in life is just themselves telling them, "Oh no, I can't. This is gonna, not going to work. It's going to fail." And you, you just got to get past that and just go in the deep end and learn how to swim. Um, that's what it was like to me. So you you can't be afraid to take risks in this life. Life is dangerous. Just live it. <laughs> what excites you about the band
3: Sixth Sense and, and the music at this very moment the most? Hmm.
1: I guess the future to see where it's going to go. Um, if we're talking about excitement you know, I think excitement is one thing and then satisfaction or happiness is something else. Like, I think I'm happy with what we're doing. And I, I love all the music we're creating. I love the music videos, the visuals, the just the business decisions. Everything about this band is very satisfying. Our relationship with our band members, it's all you know, being in this industry, it can be difficult. You're in a relationship with another four or five individuals and we're not necessarily all the same people. So you're you're walking, you're working around that, right? And um there have been like I said, I've collaborated with a lot of artists, and some are easier to work with and some are harder to work with. So I'm really, really happy with how everything is running in Sixth Sense. Um Everybody
2: seems to like be able to do what they want to be doing and yeah. we're all on the same page with yeah. one thing. Sorry.
1: But then, yeah, if you ask me like what excites me, I guess, what excites me is to see where this is going to go and how far it can go and how many people can we reach that will listen to our music and feel the same way about it as we do. Um, I think this is the first time in my life where I've truly started something from the ground up and I see it being able to reach really really far so
2: yeah and we have a lot of free reign in this band not just uh how we create our music we have a lot of free reign in the business decisions we do we have a very do-it-yourself work ethic we take care of everything we're not on any record label at all and we have built uh, our own team outside of the band members as well like vicky was mentioning like through our merch designers um uh, through our, the publicists we work with, they're all helping us out uh, through our visuals, our film director, Chris Kells. And it's very cool and satisfying to uh, see other people's dreams and visions come to life too, like Chris Kells. A lot of his uh, video ideas uh, for our band and our music videos that we've put out so far, they were his. And it's cool to give people like him an outlet to express themselves creatively in that manner too. So I think that's the most exciting thing with Six Senses. The sky's the limit. Like, we, who knows what we will we'll end up doing or where, where we'll end up going. With the album or the EP
3: due out later this month, uh, what about plans for playing live? I know, you know, as the world begins to open up, and, you know, some more in, but more in, in, in different places than others. Uh, what are your plans? Are there plans to tour? Do you have anything lined up yet or is that still, you know, a work in progress?
1: Uh, Nothing lined up yet. Touring and just playing live is probably at the bottom of our list. Uh, not because we don't want to do it. We do want to do it. Uh, we just feel like maybe it's a little too soon. Um, although, you know, releasing VP, the then we'll have five songs out. You could say that's a good opening set on a tour. Um, but I, I think we're just like a little more realistic. Like we've all been in this industry a lot longer than how, how long... Sixth Sense has been a band. And we know that when you start something, it takes time. So we want to just like really focus on growing, growing on social media, um, our fan base, putting out more music, and then, you know, really, really getting into like the live aspect. Uh, That being said, of course, we're open to anything, like if an opportunity presents, if there's like a booking agent that, I don't know, wants to work with us and can see us on a tour opening up or something, we'll, of course, discuss it. But as far as our mindset goes, we're not there yet. Like We want to put out music and more music after this EP and then possibly look into touring ourselves.
2: Yeah, we're we're really not itching to play any shows. Not that we don't want to, like Vicky said. It's just Uh, all of us, each individual member has like been doing this for almost 10 years each. So,
1: you know, we basically, we know that it's not the smartest idea for a new band to say, yeah, we're going on a string of shows and we start playing shows and there's 10 people there, you know, you don't want that. (laughs) So we're not in a rush.
3: That slow and steady approach, you know, really kind of gives you the foundation as you kind of continue to grow. You know, I, I've, you, I've always heard that phrase, what, what, uh, Builds fast, falls fast, right? You know, you you always see the 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 one hit wonders that the popularity increase right away, but there's no sustainability, and 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 that's what really hurts people in the end is they don't think of well, what comes next after this? Uh, so it's always, in my opinion, you know, to build something. I mean, kind of like this podcast. You know, three hundred and sixty episodes in slowly building. I remember I started out, you know, in my kitchen, you know, doing this and editing and I, you know, I maybe had like 20 listeners, you know, in the, in the beginning. Uh, but over time and you start to, you know, really start to build it and and do things that make sense. Same thing with a band, you know, you're writing music, you're putting out the stuff. And as that grows, the fan base grows, the social media grows and everything comes after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs)
3: Well, guys, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for the conversation. I, I do appreciate it. Um, it's always nice to talk to people who are here local in Chicago, although I'm in Schaumburg, So you guys are like oh. all the way yeah. in, in the, uh, in the south part of the state or south yeah. part of the city. Yeah. Um, south suburbs. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, uh, it's nice to always talk to people who are, who are local here
1: for sure. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. For having having
3: us, us. Absolutely, and, and continue. You know, good luck and good luck with the the new EP that comes out April twenty second. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and what's happening here in the near future?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, Six Sense everywhere on social media. Yeah. One word: Six Sense. Our,
2: our handle is actually Sick X Sense on uh, Instagram and Twitter, <laughs> but just. Go- yeah. Google six Sense, Google Sixth Sense. Kings Today, and you'll Kings find us. Kings Today,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and you can find our album and merch on soundescapeagency.com.
3: Awesome. Well, Killer V and Rob the Ripper, it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. Thank you, Robbie and Vicki, for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Jay. We appreciate you. All right, everyone. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk soon. Thanks.